This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Hello, we're going to continue our conversation today about mental health in the workplace. And if you didn't listen to the last episode, you may want to go back and hear what my three psychologist colleagues also shared on the same subject of mental health in the workplace. We heard from Dr. Tanya Armstrong, Dr. Len Waisaki, and Dr. J.C. Wright on the subject. And I want to just add a few additional pieces in today's conversation. So one of the things I want to talk about is the nature of stress in the workplace right now. And one of the things I'll mention is that stress is in the eye of the beholder. What one person considers to be stress is not necessarily stress to another person. And in fact, what may stress one person is actually energizing to the next person. So you can't look at it just from your own lens and say, this isn't stressful to me, so I don't think it should be stressful to my coworker. It may be stressful to your coworker, even if it's not stressful to you, because we are all different. So let me just, first of all, run down some of the common stressors that we are seeing in the workplace today. Some common ones would be very long hours that people have to work. Long hours where there are infrequent breaks, there's no chance to recover, there's no chance to renew. People are working longer, especially when they're working in the virtual context. There may not be a defined lunch break. They may be working and all different kinds of time zones to accommodate people in different time zones. So it will seem as if work is never ending. In addition to the long hours, many people are working in such a way that they're doing the jobs of more than one person at the same time. We already know there's been a great talent challenge in the workplace, so some have left, and that's meant that one person may be taking on two jobs rather than their own alone, and that produces a higher degree of stress or difficulty, especially if you're covering two or more jobs for an extended period of time. We also find that these long hours and multiple roles that people are playing sometimes are taking place in the context of a negative cultural climate. And that negative climate might be one of blame, one of criticism, or one where task clarity is not clear. People don't know what they're really supposed to be doing. They haven't truly been informed. And in addition to that, they may not be receiving feedback about the quality of their work so far. So all of these things are actually challenging for people in the workplace. People also find they may not have all the resources that they need to do an effective job. 
And so you want to make sure that, especially when people are doing multiple roles, that you are giving them the resources that are required in order for them to be successful. That could be equipment. It might be machinery. It might be people. Sometimes it's information. People often need information that they don't have in order to be successful. That means that it's important to provide training, important to provide a sense of a career path going forward. Many people are jumping into a job, into the workplace, and they're just thrown out to the wolves without a period of training, without being resourced or facilitated for success. So that increases stress. It increases the the sense of a lack of resiliency and an ability to tolerate the difficulties in the workplace. So those are some of the common stressors that we see that people are facing. Another one I'd say that's really big, in addition to the lack of clarity about what to do, is that people are not receiving feedback. They're not being told what they're doing well and what's working. Consequently, they're left to wonder, am I doing a good job or not? Or they might fear that they're not getting feedback because they're not doing a good job. And in some workplaces, the only time that they receive feedback is if it's something negative, and then they get a lot of feedback and they're told in great detail what to do differently. And that can be oppressive for people as well, because people like to have some degree of flexibility, some degree of autonomy in the workplace. So if you're constantly micromanaging, looking over their shoulder, that adds unnecessary stress. So better to train the people better to give them the resources and to check in as appropriate where you don't have to micromanage, which is really dysfunctional and not really leadership at all. That's oppression in a sense, what you're doing, and it stands in the way of people doing their best work. When we think about stress, stress is something that occurs on a bell-shaped curve. And most of the things we study in science are kind of on a bell-shaped curve. So if you look at the left-hand side of the curve, you're going to find that as you're going kind of up the mountain and you're starting on the left, you might have kind of like low stress and there's low impact on your productivity on the left-hand side of the curve. But as you start to go up, you get to the middle where the curve is high in the top zone. There you have a moderate degree of stress, kind of high, and a medium amount of impact on productivity. So what this means is that the stress is facilitative because it keeps you energized. It keeps you at the top of your game. And when you have that positive stress, where it's not too little and not too much, we call that eustress. Eustress is positive. It facilitates us doing our best work. So on the left-hand side of the curve, when you don't have enough of the positive stress, that's boring. People don't feel challenged. The job is boring. So not enough stress is also a problem. Now, if you continue down the curve from the height of it to the right-hand side, Now you have an inordinate amount of stress and it is adversely affecting productivity at work. So in this case, there's too much stress. And what happens in that case is people are unable to marshal their resources, their resiliency plummets, and they feel as though they're overwhelmed. So you can go from boredom 
to just right to being overwhelmed. And then it's too much. So in the workplace, you want to be checking in with people to find out, do they not have enough challenge? Are they bored? Do they have so much challenge they feel they can't meet the demands of the job? They're overwhelmed and it feels hopeless. So that's too much. Or are they in the sweet spot of what we call eustress? And keep in mind, just as I said earlier, there are individual differences about the level of stress that people prefer. And for some people in the workplace, working at home, working in the virtual context is energizing for them. They love it because they don't have disturbance. They can concentrate. It's quiet. No one's bothering them and they can get their work done. For other people, it feels stressful because they don't have the interpersonal connections. They don't have the social ties. They feel farther removed from the information that they need. And without the communication on an ongoing basis, they feel more stressed working from home. So for some people, that's a positive. For other people, it's not a positive. It's a negative. And some people prefer a hybrid model where for one or two days a week, they're coming into the office so they can get the social needs met, find out the information they want to find out, engage with teams in a more direct way. And other times they want to focus more individually on the part of their work that requires a lot of concentration. So you're going to have to check in with your people individually to see what is best for them and what their preferences are. I'd also say that when you're working in the virtual context, which for many companies is continuing at least to some degree, the kinds of meetings that you have change. So you want to make sure you're having a brief morning touch point meeting, a check-in. And at that check-in, your team has an opportunity to identify what are they going to work on that day. And as others are listening to what they're going to work on, there may be opportunities for collaboration that emerge. Someone may have information that's useful to the other person's project. And this is the time to mention those kinds of resources, or sometimes it's a resource even outside the team. So as I'm in the morning check-in and I hear that you're working on project A, I might say, I have a resource for you that will help to facilitate what you're doing. Give me a call later this morning, or let's jump on a Zoom meeting or whatever it may be. So that's the purpose of the morning check-ins. Everyone knows what everyone else is doing. What are you committed to for the day? What are your outcomes for the day? So that later on, when you do the afternoon checkout, you can then report on what you've accomplished, what your successes have been, and what help you might need going into the next day when you're setting additional goals or continuing the ones from this day. I'd also say you can create some collaboration times, even on virtual platforms. So let's say I'm the team leader. I might say that today at three o'clock, I'm just going to be on Zoom. I've sent people the link. If you just want to jump in, you want to collaborate about something, ask a question, it's open-ended, then people can choose to do that. And that's a wonderful way to spur some creativity. And sometimes in those collaboration meetings, we might just be quietly working and not saying anything until something pops up. 
So it's as if we're in the office together, we're doing our individual work. However, because we're there together, I can unmute myself, I can ask a question, I can make a comment, or weigh in on something that someone else is doing. So it's a way to be in community, even while you're virtual. Some managers and some team leads also do virtual office hours. So they might say, you know, today from one to two, I'll be in office hours. You want to drop in, you've got a question, something you want to address, I'm here for you. And in that case, the team leader is not necessarily doing their own work. They're there to answer questions and respond to the team members in that case. So all of these are strategies and ways to operate in the workplace. And one of the things I would say about these meetings that are helpful in the virtual context is this. People don't need more meetings. They need more of the right meetings with the right people. So consider that. More is not necessarily better. Longer is not necessarily better. Sometimes frequent brief meetings will serve you better. And sometimes less frequent and still brief meetings will serve you better. So think about your work context and what your people need, and that's what you want to provide. Let's also talk a little bit about what people can do in the workplace or in their personal life that can make a difference so far as them taking care of their mental health. So the same way we talk about taking care of physical health, there are some specific strategies that you can implement to take care of your mental health. So for example, it's very important to pay attention to your attitude and your mindset. If you come to the day, if you come to the opportunity of the day with a positive mindset that says, no matter what happens, there is a way for me to look at this from a positive framework, a positive lens, and you train your mind to focus on the positive, what you will discover is that it will open up pathways of new directions. When we come from a negative mindset, it's like we have a myopic view and a tunnel vision We don't see as much, we don't see as far. When the mindset is positive, we'll see things to the right. We'll see things to the left that make a difference and that we can actually utilize for our benefit in our life. So there's real power and value to bringing a positive mindset because you will get more resources with the positive mindset. Now, closely aligned with positive mindset is also what I'll call bringing gratitude and thankfulness. No matter what is going on, even if you're having a rough day, a bad day, stop and say, what am I thankful for today? And even if there was an explosion at the plant, if something was preserved, some lives were preserved, that's something to be thankful for. Have gratitude that you're still here and you're able to make a difference in whatever the crisis is. So if you remember daily to stop and say, what am I thankful for? And be thankful for at least three things. Could be more, but at least three things a day, including what we often overlook 
because we take it for granted and we think of it in a mundane sense, like being thankful for food, for shelter, for clothing, for the opportunity to work at your organization and to provide for your family. That's something to be thankful for. Being thankful for a leader, a manager who does provide resources, who does check in with you, who cares not only about getting the work done, but who also cares about you as a person and ask you regularly how you are doing, ask you what you need. Those are things to be thankful for as well. You also want to take the opportunity individually and collectively, not only to be thankful, also to celebrate successes, celebrate what's worked in the past, celebrate what's working now. And as you focus on this, you will discover that you will have more to celebrate both in the present and in the future, because you're going to create celebration opportunities, again, coming from the mindset of success, the mindset of celebration. It leads to more success and more celebration opportunities. And of course, we know that there are losses. Maybe the company has downsized. Maybe people have been laid off. Perhaps there has been a disaster and some people have lost their lives. There is a necessary period of mourning what you will miss, mourning the losses. So take the time to be in that space and to celebrate what's been lost, to celebrate what you will miss, whether it be opportunities or whether that be people. And as you are mourning those losses, it's also a celebration of what you did have, a celebration of the lives that you really appreciated and will no longer have an opportunity to have in your midst. So you want to remember to celebrate as you move forward and carry this positive disposition forward as well. And if you are moving to a new opportunity or you have to find a new job, and perhaps this wasn't your choice, it's involuntary in a sense, still Keep the mindset that there is an opportunity out there for you to learn something new, to do something that you've always wanted to do and haven't yet had a chance to do it. I find that many times when people have been fired, when people have been laid off, when there's been a forced change or migration, years later, they will look back and say, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So many times we have to get out of our typical comfort zone to do something different, to contribute in a new way before we realize that there really is something positive and an opportunity on the other side. You might even discover that there's something you've always really wanted to do and never really could find the time to do it. And now with the time freedom, you can craft the life you've always wanted and you can do something that you want to do for a change that you maybe couldn't do before with the constraints of your previous role or your previous job. 
I would also say have community around you, people who also have a positive mindset, people who are also looking at opportunity in crisis and challenge. We are not meant to live alone. We're meant to live in community. And when you create a community of like-minded people who are also positive and thinking in a forward sense and who are willing to get out of their comfort zone to move into a new realm This just jumpstarts your ability to remain positive and to remain forward thinking. So the more we can surround ourselves with people who will reinforce where we want to go and how we want to get there, the better off we are and the better off they are because we're creating this powerful, positive community together. And then, of course, Even as we're talking about mental health, we can really activate our mental health through our physical fitness. So remember to include your daily exercises. Remember to include that walk. And when you take your walk, you're also out in nature. You're in what God has created. You can see the sunrises. You can see the sunsets. You can see the mountains if you live in the mountains. You can see the ocean if you live on the coast or the Great Plains if you live in the Midwest. And God has a beautiful painting and picture for you to view every day and to have inspiration for your day. My husband, who's an avid photographer, is frequently taking pictures of what God is painting on the daily canvas for the day. And as I start my day, he will often call me into the office to show me a beautiful picture of God's beauty. And he'll say, I want you to see this as inspiration for your day. And I remember the other day when he called me into his office, it was a photograph he took very early in the morning, six something in the morning. The sun was just starting to rise. And because it had been really raining heavily the night before and into the morning, as the sun was rising, there was a beautiful rainbow, a huge arc across the whole middle of the sky. And this was unusual because we have rainbows here, lots of rainbows, not so much early in the morning as the sun is rising. That was very unique to see that rainbow. It was beautiful. It was a great way to start today. So think about the beauty you can surround yourself with as you're taking a walk, for example, for your day. So you can combine physical fitness, meditation on beauty, and also the positive mindset that comes from all of that. I would also say, remember your spiritual resources. When you spend time, and particularly at the beginning of your day, the middle of your day, the end of your day, in prayer, in meditation, and reading the scriptures, and hearing from God, you will find that you have strengthened yourself. Just like Popeye strengthened himself by eating that can of spinach, your spiritual spinach is sustenance. It's food for the soul, food for the spirit food for the mind and body. So when we are spiritually strong and spiritually aligned, it actually helps our mental health as well. God will remind you of who he is and that he is greater than your circumstances. And that's a wonderful thing to think about 
when resourcing our mental resources. Also remember to get sleep and to rest your body. When there's so much stress going on and so much demand, it requires sleep and it requires food. Not just any food, but healthy food, good food choices. So you want to get rest and if necessary, take a nap. You want to eat and eat well. That also adds to mental health. So as we think about the signs and symptoms that you might see when you're looking around in the workplace that will let you know that maybe someone is struggling or that maybe you yourself are struggling with something related to mental health, I want you to pay attention to what we call signs and symptoms like, number one, sleep disturbance. Maybe you have a hard time falling asleep. Maybe you have a hard time staying asleep and Even though you've only been asleep for three or four hours, you wake up and you can't fall asleep anymore. Or perhaps you wake up in the middle of the night for no reason. So if your sleep is disturbed, and particularly if you've not had that kind of problem in before, it might signal that something is happening with you related to your mental health that you may want to address. If you find that you're not hungry and therefore you're not eating, that could be a sign. Or you're eating all the time and you can't stop eating, and therefore you're gaining a lot of weight, makes you feel even worse and more sluggish, or perhaps because you're not eating, you're losing weight. So either one of those extremes, eating constantly, not eating at all, gaining weight, losing weight, can be a sign that something's going on with you that needs to be addressed. Or if you see that in a coworker, something be going on with them that also needs to be addressed. And you want to be available and ready to note that and to see what help can be provided. Sometimes people will just feel depressed or they will feel anxious. And it's a change from their normal disposition. So if you see someone shift into a depressed state or an anxious or worried state, and that is very different from them, Again, this is something to note, something to pay attention to, where you stop and check in and see how that person is doing. Maybe you might be able to offer a word of encouragement for them on that day. You might also see people having low resilience and having a short fuse. They're snapping at people. They're angry all the time. They're screaming. They're hollering in the workplace. Those are signs that a person may not be coping well, may not be dealing well with the stress that they're experiencing in the workplace or in their personal life that's spilling over into the workplace. Sometimes for some people, there's just a change in productivity. A person who's previously been a very productive worker is no longer doing the level of work that they did before, and they just don't seem to be able to marshal the energy to be productive anymore. In fact, you will experience them as being low energy. Maybe they're having a hard time concentrating and things they used to enjoy, now they don't enjoy those things anymore. There's a loss of pleasure in things they used to like, or you might be feeling this way yourself. Sometimes there's also difficulty with what we'll call the basic task of life, like personal hygiene, taking care of the children, meal preparation, taking care of the home. They don't take showers. They don't 
wear clean clothes. And this is not how the person has shown up before. So again, it could be a sign that there's a depression or something serious going on that might require even professional intervention. So pay attention when these issues are persistent problems, not just a one-time occasion where someone may be feeling down or something occasionally that might occur. But if I'm down every day, if I'm depressed, if I'm talking about ending my life or I don't see a reason to continue living, or I'm feeling anxious or worried all the time. These are things you want to take note of so that you can begin to provide help to people in the workplace who are showing that perhaps they could use a little bit of assistance. And everyone is different too on the origins of challenge and difficulty. So for some people, the circumstances really relate to what they're experiencing. For other people, they may have a predisposition in their family. So again, everyone is different. And some people may have a family predisposition towards depression, or perhaps even some of the conditions that have affect your thinking processes. Maybe conditions like schizophrenia, or sometimes bipolar disorder, And if that's the case, and it runs in someone's family, and they have the predisposition, it may not take as much in the workplace to trigger some of those responses. So think about your own family history and whether or not you might have a higher predisposition or likelihood to be impacted or affected. And then if so, early intervention is important no matter the history or the cause. If you intervene early, there are far more options and choices that you have on the table. And you want to think about that for the workplace as well. And some people are dealing with very serious physical illnesses. And if you have cancer and it's a difficult cancer and a lot of pain and it's lasting for a long time, that can actually precipitate a mental health crisis. So think about the interface between the physical and the mental. So if you've got physical illnesses, chronic, long-standing, or very difficult, that can compromise your mental health as well. So when you see these things in other people, pay attention, show care, show some concern. And in the workplace, I think companies can be very beneficial to the workforce by in times like these, where families are still experiencing illnesses from the COVID virus, illnesses from cancers and heart conditions and tumors and ongoing situations like this, and deaths, multiple deaths. This is added stress beyond the workplace this might be a good time to beef up your employee assistance program. And that's the program that provides mental health counseling from resources outside the company. This is also a time to continue to inform employees about the resources that do exist and how they can use and access those resources. Don't assume that people remember Maybe they haven't heard about it for two or three years and they didn't need the resource then. And now they need it and they don't even remember that the company provides the resource. So remind people, keep it in front of them, let them know how they can get help 
both in the company and also outside the company. So check in, ask people how they're doing, show that you care as you're going along the way. I would also say that even as you are looking at these benefits of your company and you're reminding people of what they are, it's important to also maintain confidentiality. Very often in a lot of organizations, the HR person is the one who's the main point of contact. And you want to make sure that those people who are in these critical roles know how to maintain confidentiality, that they are professional individuals and do not share confidences. And frequently that they're referring the workforce members to outside resources that won't have a conflict of interest. So keep that in mind. There is usually not a reason why you need to know medical details for people in the workplace. So if you're the first line supervisor, all you might need to know is that so-and-so may be out on medical leave for a period of time. It's an approved medical leave and when you can expect them to come back. And if there's any kind of help or resource that you need to provide to keep them current or to cover their job in their absence, that may be all you need to know. So just keep that in mind. People can be gone for many reasons, whether it's mental health, physical health, or maybe there's a family issue with someone else, another member of the family. So being careful to maintain confidentiality also may increase the likelihood that people utilize the resources that are provided by the company. This issue of mental health in the workplace is very important, and we have spent this episode on it and the last episode because of the importance. And in fact, very recently, I shared some of what I'm sharing with you today with a major corporate company because they asked me to come and to speak to the workforce about these issues. So I want you to know you're not alone. It's not just you who may be thinking about mental health in the workplace. Responsible workplaces all across the globe are thinking about it now and providing resources to their workforces. So do keep that in mind. So as we close today, I'd like to close with a scripture that I find very valuable, and especially if you're a person of faith. And it says in Philippians, the fourth chapter, verses six and seven, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to notice what those verses said. It says, don't worry about anything. We have a God who cares. We can take our request to him. He is faithful to answer. And not only that, even in the midst of what we're going through, he will give us the peace that passes all understanding, which means we have that peace no matter what the circumstances that we face. And while we're going through, our God guards our hearts and our minds, our minds, our mental health. Our God is guarding that as well. So I encourage you, walk in peace walk in victory and know 
you have help and you're not alone. And for someone else in your workplace, you can be their help so that they're not alone. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.